Welcome to the Insurance House Podcast. Introducing your host, Mike Fusco. Our team enjoys speaking to risk management and insurance professionals across the country. We will bring our audience unique insights on all things insurance. We look forward to delivering excellent information to our audience. Whether you're an insurance professional, a client, a partner, or someone breaking into the industry, we're glad you joined, and we hope to bring the best content to you. This is the Insurance House Podcast. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Insurance House. I am Mike Fusco. I am honored to be joined by Bo Bacaldi. Bo, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Mike. How about yourself? Excellent, man. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Bo is a production underwriter for those that are watching here live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Uh, we sent out the event a couple weeks back, and many of you had questions, and I'm glad you're able to join us today. Bo is a production underwriter with Evolve MGA, and Evolve is an awesome company, awesome, awesome company, uh, with a focus in uh, cyber, obviously cyber insurance products, technology products, uh, with other professional media and privacy lines. So Bo, thanks. We, we know right now with everything going on in the cyber world, it's a busy time for Evolve. And uh, Bo, thanks for taking the time to join us, man. No, my pleasure. Excited to be here. Yeah. So I saw recently, and I think this isn't the first time you guys have won this award, but uh, Advisen's 2020 Cyber MGA of the Year. Yes, it was a, a great accolade for Evolve. We won 2020 and then most recently the 2021 Cyber MGA of the Year. Um, one of our principals, Pat Costello, won the Cyber Person of the Year here in the U.S. Um, so. This was just um, one of the largest cyber industry awards, all voted on by our peers. So yeah, great, great accolade. That's so cool, man. I saw, oh, so you guys won 2020 and 2021. Correct. Back-to-back champs. <laughs> Whoa, man. You guys are the repeat. you like the LA Lakers. I know. Going for the three-peat up <laughs> next year. No, that's great, man. Uh, good for you guys. I mean, I, I know, you know, I, I'm going to ask you about your background here in a minute, but I think something that people you know, being in business as long as I have, and I know as long, as long as you guys have, you guys aren't new to this. I mean, you know, all this stuff we hear about cyber attacks and cyber crimes and cyber activity online. And, you know, you guys have been doing it for a while, man. And, and it's, you know, you start seeing everyone popping up and all of a sudden everyone's an expert in cybersecurity, you know, right? or everyone's an expert in cyber insurance. And, but you guys are, man, and you guys know what you're doing and you've protected people for a long time. Right. Uh, you, and, yeah, yeah and we, we've been in the space, I think, from the get-go. Um, but, I mean, really, our, our capacity out of Lloyd's of London, uh, they have been in the space since 1999. And so they're the ones who really give us access to a ton of data that has allowed us to track trends. It has allowed us to track what kind of security controls are more successful into targeting uh, or into stopping these attacks and um, basically figure out what we need to do to provide um, people with the tools to make sure that this doesn't happen to them. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's scary. Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Tell us about your background and how did you land in the insurance business? Yeah, of course. So I, I kind of fell into insurance. I feel like, uh, like most people. Um, I studied yeah. finance and thought I wanted to go into investment banking, but then I had a job opportunity right out of college to go work for a wholesale broker in London and so I spent two years working for a wholesale broker out there, uh, basically specializing in solely cyber and tech, you know, insurance. 
and pretty much building cyber and tech towers for Fortune 500 companies. So I kind of just jumped into the deep end, learned very quickly uh, about the, the global cyber insurance marketplace, as well as the different exposures and um, coverages that are offered. Um, and then moving back to California, where I was born and raised, I spent a year working for a retail insurance agency, selling all lines of insurance to primarily technology companies and VC firms. Uh, and then really the last two years I've been spent working at Evolve, helping educate businesses and brokers really about all the exposures and, and the coverages available uh, in the cyber market today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bo does an awesome job for those that are watching in. I know we have a lot of uh, uh, people that watch from the insurance business. So if you haven't worked with Evolve MGA or Bo, you guys need to reach out, man. They do a great job. Uh, their coverage form is is just phenomenal. And, you know, thanks, Bo. Thanks for explaining a little bit about your background. Yeah, no worries. Uh, let's talk about Evolve. So right. something that I, you know, that I think really makes you guys unique, and I'm going to ask you, but I think what makes you guys unique, first of all, you know what you're doing, right? I mean, you guys have an expertise in cyber coverage. But really, you guys want to help clients avoid having the loss on the insurance policy. You guys are helping people get ahead of it. You're educating people. You're giving people the tools and resources to stop a cyber crime or cyber attack from happening in their business before they have to use the insurance policy. Is that right? Or correct. Correct. And I, I think what really stands us apart is there are so many in insurance carriers that are offering some sort of cyber product nowadays. And with Evolve, literally this is all we do. And so our whole focus is to provide our clients with a very comprehensive cyber insurance program that is going to actually protect them. And so when we've set up our program, we really looked into three specific areas to enhance. And we, we basically looked at all the claims data that we had, and we put together an insurance product, uh, so the actual coverage, to to provide a very, very broad and, and comprehensive product that will actually respond to the, the types of claims that we're seeing today. Now, besides coverage, there are, other two, there are two other pillars that every business should look at when reviewing a, a potential partner with, or partner to um, provide cyber insurance for. And that's gonna be risk management services as well as claims handling. Now at Evolve, we offer all of our policyholders access to six of our vendors that are solely um, there to help stop these claims from happening. Now, human error is the number one cause of cyber claims. So we have a ton of vendors that are solely pr uh, providing employee awareness and training. We have a live phishing simulation. Um, and then we also have some vulnerability assessments. We have a ransomware defense software, et cetera. Now, the, the last pillar here, and I think, frankly, the most important is going to be the claims handling. Now, when a business elects to invest in a cyber insurance policy, they're not just getting a policy with Evolve. We are here to really help and advise our policyholders when the worst happens. And what we've realized is a lot of businesses out there, they don't know what to do or they don't know who to turn to when a claim happens. And so our claims team has been handling cyber claims for 20 plus years. We field around 150 claims per month. Now, not only do we have the experience here. Wow, how many claims a month? Over 150. 
Wow. And, and th that was statistics from last year. So that's it, definitely got to be more now. But right. where we've really tried to enhance our claims handling is we've actually purchased a forensics, uh, an IT forensics firm. So now we have 50 in-house forensics investigators on our claims team. In-house, We also have in-house data breach attorneys, ethical hackers who are consistently monitoring our active policyholders. And so we're able to offer a stacked group of professionals that are ready to assist. Now, most businesses, if they don't have a cyber insurance policy, they're going to have to outsource these services to third-party firms, and they're, they're charging really high hourly billables. I mean, just so, the forensic, in-house forensics people you have. I mean, that's, what's that, $350, $400 an hour if you were to go outside? Sometimes we're seeing even upwards of $500 an hour. $500 they, bucks an hour. And, how, and it takes, a, isn't an average like three weeks? To really, uh, it, 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 it all depends on the claim, but um, some of the times we, we can get in and out very quickly and get them back up online. Sometimes it does take three to four weeks and in severe scenarios, we could be looking at months. Yeah, man. I mean, that's awesome. You guys have in-house forensic people, in-house data breach attorneys. And that's a huge value add, man. I mean, you know, like you said, you want to have a partner. not right. just an, And I think you kind of touched on it before and I have to kind of go back to this a little bit. Uh, when someone, if somebody, if a business has a cyber attack or a data breach, I'm sure they feel so like they probably feel embarrassed to tell anyone. Right. But I would think that the quicker they, they advise somebody get their insurance carrier or get their broker involved or get you guys involved. I mean, the less the damage, right? I mean, the quicker you guys get out in front of it. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, in yeah. cyber claims, time is money. Yeah. And when looking at our, our, our two most frequent claims, ransomware and wire transfer fraud, there's typically a, a, a ticking clock. So there's a 48 hour window where a business needs to pay that extortion demand or can potentially recover a lost transfer. Um, and so yep. it is crucial yep. that we respond as quickly as possible to minimize the damage. So that kind of leads me to my next question. You, you said it just now. Um, can we review some of the current, you know, the current state of the cyber market, but also the hacking trends? I think people, I think people read, uh, they hear, you know, we hear about all the big companies getting hacked. You know, you and I spoke about this recently. You hear about a colonial pipeline, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I won't mention some others, but I don't think people realize like in the trenches, small businesses, medium businesses, what they're dealing with. You said ransomware, you said, um, uh, uh, wire, fraud, transfer wire fraud. fraud, wire transfer fraud, extortion, usually from social engineering, right? Is what typically happens from, from wire transfer fraud. But what do you, what are the trends? Like what type of attacks are you seeing and what is the current state of the cyber market? Yeah. So, I mean, the cyber market has taken a massive shift over the last year and a half. Um, the, the, the cyber market is hardening. We've, the, the market as a whole has experienced such an unprecedented level of claims. And it's not just one specific industry. It's not just one size of business. Um, and I think a lot of that is owing to the pandemic and businesses shifting their employees to this remote workforce. And it's kind of created this scenario that hackers are trying to leverage and take full advantage of people working remotely. Now you have employees that are either working off their own personal devices, they're working off their home networks. And so not everyone is in that centralized hub in the office to stay secure. So it's created more entry points for these criminals. 
Now, we've also seen hackers utilizing the pandemic as a means to execute a lot of their phishing and ransomware attacks disguised as COVID-related emails and websites. So hackers are, are posing as government agencies like the CDC or the World Health Organization. And people have been so vulnerable over this last year, and they want to be in the know and up to date yeah. on the latest trends or the news or or is unemployment going to run out or is there going to be another stimulus check? So people are going to be that much more curious to clicking on a lot of these fraudulent links uh, that these hackers are, are sending out there. Now, over the last year, I think we have seen ransomware really create the most noise. Yeah. Now, ransomware is still our most frequent claim, followed it, shortly okay. by um, wire transfer fraud losses. And to give everyone a, a, a macro perspective view on what the, the cybercrime industry is looking like, I really recommend checking out the FBI's Internet Crime Report. They just released one in February of 2020. And the FBI essentially aggregates all of this data relating to cybercrime that's happening here in the U.S. And the statistics are quite astonishing. Um, the FBI received over 800, almost 800,000 complaints of different wow. cyber attacks last year alone. Wow. Now, yeah, it's, it's absurd. And when looking at the trends from 2019 and 2020, attacks have increased over 70% from a frequency standpoint. And I mean, the FBI simply doesn't have the manpower to investigate a lot of yeah. these these claims, especially how, the smaller yeah, how ones. Could they? Yeah, how could I they? mean, that that's it's roughly over two thousand new attacks that they're receiving every single day. That's now, a, that's an incredible stat, man. Right now, with ransomware, I think what we've been seeing is hackers are essentially forming these criminal organizations or these hacking groups or crime syndicates. And they're, they're basically utilizing what's called ransomware as a service, uh, which is essentially their business model. And these criminals are able to make an astonishing amount of money very quickly with ransomware. And what we've seen is there's typically a ransomware developer who is tasked with creating the virus. They're going to go out and recruit a bunch of affiliate hackers who are solely responsible for distributing that ransomware virus. And then um, these affiliate hackers, they basically make a commission. And, wow, wow. And they, I mean, their entire day is, is solely around trying to bring rants demands or, or increase their level of infections uh, because they have targets to hit. And one of the other things that a lot of people don't realize is exactly how commercialized the cybercrime industries become. These affiliate hackers, they are utilizing the dark web, which is essentially their Amazon marketplace, to buy and sell anything that they need to pull off their attacks. So they can, they can buy stolen email accounts or people's information. They can get access to what IP addresses are weaker. There are newer versions of um, AI software that is able to attack a business's firewall every three to five minutes. So it, it's, there's a lot of resources Man. at these hackers disposal that um, just a lot of people don't realize. Now, so like ransomware as a service, if I can just jump in for one second, cause I've read about yeah. this before and this is amazes me. So it's similar to a software as a service. It's almost like a prepackaged ransomware product that people can buy 
and and utilize it to attack businesses or extort so money? A lot of the times these hackers are either they, they have their own ransomware. So when they send out a phishing email, if you click on that link, it will download the ransomware virus onto your computer systems. Um, a lot of the times hackers will basically put a smaller virus file in, embedded in that link. And then it just gives the hacker access to the systems that then they go and um, implant the ransomware virus. Uh, but there are softwares out there uh, that are essentially like a, a CRM software that hackers right. can use. And it gives them visibility on the extent of what is compromised on the business's computer systems. Um, it gives them visibility Amazing. on who's opening the emails, who's clicking on the links. So, I mean, th these hackers have a lot of visibility there. Now, one of the other trends that we've been seeing with ransomware is just straight up higher extortion demands requested by these hackers. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just going to ask you about yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, back in 2019, the average extortion demand was well under $25,000. So fast forward to Q1 of 2020, that average has risen to upwards of $100,000. Now, there are certain hacking groups out there that abide by their own averages. So there's a hacking group called Ryuk. They're on average requesting upwards of $280,000. Uh, there's another hacking group called the Maze Group, and their average is upwards of $400,000. Now, a lot of the times, though, these demands are up to the hacker's discretion. And we've seen $20 million companies hit with a $2 million demand. Now, this is another big value add into investing into a cyber policy because our in-house forensics teams, they deal with these hacking groups all the time. They're paying demands to them. They know their reputations, so they're going to actually be able to assess the situation and determine if it's better to pay the ransom demand because maybe this hacker has a, a good reputation and they're actually going to give us those decryption keys. Or if they have a bad reputation, maybe we don't pay that demand. And so we're actually able to assess the situation. We leverage right. our knowledge the, and to the point where we actually negotiate with these hackers to reduce the extortion demand if or when at all possible. Wow, man. That's, that's just unbelievable. Is it true that a lot of times the demands are paid in cryptocurrencies? Most of the times, um, what we see is these hackers, they, um, they'll create a new Bitcoin wallet and a, a new email address every single time. And they are essentially, it, it's really hard to, to track their IP address because they're utilizing a VPN and Whenever they create a new wallet or a new email address, you can't really tie it back. But one of the ways that our hack or our claims team can figure out who these hackers are is by determining what strain of the ransomware virus it is. Wow. It's so detailed and, and deep. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I was going to ask you why. So I think you and I spoke about this recently, but I want to I want the audience to know. Where do these attackers, where do they come from? Where are the criminals right. housed? Like, a lot of the times they're, they're coming from overseas. And so yeah. whether it's Russia or China or the Ukraine, and what is so difficult is every time there is an attack overseas and we notify the FBI, the FBI now has to rely on this foreign government to fulfill their end of the investigation. And that's where we see a lot of these um, attacks just they don't get followed up on it and you actually can't catch these guys. Man. So just one thing before we get to the next question, 
roughly, you don't have to give me, if you don't feel comfortable answering this question, don't, but I just want the audience to know roughly how many businesses do you guys insure? Between us and our capacity providers is around 50,000 businesses on our books. 50,000. So you see a wide scope of right. business types, industries, sizes of business, locations, the whole nine yards. And that's all domestic, right? That's all in the U.S.? Um, there, our capacity does have some international accounts in their books, but the majority is made up in, in okay. the U S here. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys have a really good data set of, of all these trends and right. Well, everything and, we're speaking about. Right. Um, and, yeah. and, 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 and I mean, with that data has allowed us to react because we have been able to figure out what industries are getting hit the hardest and we have to adjust our rates. I mean, yeah. over the last year, the cyber market, as I mentioned, it's hardening. It's becoming a really difficult reinsurance market for a lot of the cyber insurance carriers out there. Yep. And so, I mean, we're seeing carriers drastically adjusting appetite. We're yep. seeing carriers increasing rate by anywhere yep. from 30 to 50%, yep. especially increasing on a lot deductibles, of the, retentions. Yeah. Yeah. Sublimits. So. I've already seen it. Yeah. I've already seen it. Uh, I think Bo might, he, he knows what's coming, man. He might be, <laughs> he has, because <laughs> he knew I was going to ask this question next. What type of businesses should be concerned? Right. So, well, are small to medium sized businesses affected, or, or, or are the they time. too small to for a, a hacker or a cyber criminal to even bother? I would say over sixty percent of the attacks that occur happen to small to mid sized businesses, and I think that's one of the largest common misconceptions with cyber. A lot of business owners think I'm not a Fortune five hundred company. I don't have hundreds of millions in revenue or hundreds of millions of records. Why would a, a hacker actually target me? Now, there's a, a few reasons why hackers are targeting small businesses. And the first and most, um, the most common reason is the fact that a lot of these smaller businesses, unfortunately, are going to be lower hanging fruit in these hackers' eyes. Now, if you're thinking about from a hacker's mindset, they're going to want to find a company that is easier to breach into, that is, give them, that is going to give them access to a much quicker payday. A lot of these large Fortune 500 companies that get breached into much more complex breaches that occur. And now, a lot of these smaller businesses, they might not have the means or the budget to invest in certain technological defenses. They might not have the means to educate their employees. And as I would like to reiterate, human error is the number one cause of our claims. And so a lot of the employees at these smaller businesses are going to be much more likely to fall victim to a lot of these attacks that we're seeing. Now, we also see smaller businesses, they don't have protocols in place to verify when, say, there is a request to pay an invoice, making sure that that is actually a legitimate request and this payment is going to the uh, anticipated recipient. Um, and then we also see a lot of smaller businesses simply targeted because maybe they do contract with a large corporate right. uh, Fortune 500 company and hackers could look at them as a means to gain access into a bigger fish. I mean, a great example here was the target breach. Um, I mean, it was a, an HVAC contractor that gave this hackers or these hackers access into target systems. And then the hackers were able to push malware to all of their POS systems and they stole around 40 million credit card details. Yeah, that was, that was huge. That was huge. Yeah. So absolutely. So smaller companies to infiltrate larger, 
I mean, they're kind of right. using them as a, as a scapegoat in a way. Not a scapegoat, but like a... Right. An entry way, point. An entry point. Yeah. Man. Scary stuff, man. I got to say. And is it true to say that, I mean, there's they're, the criminals, I mean, they're always going to be ahead of those providing the, the safety, right? right? I mean, the, these cyber criminals, especially mm-hmm. over the last year, I mean, they're making a lot of money. Um, they have so much capital to invest in new R&D to the point where, I mean, they are able to create new viruses that are able to essentially bypass security uh, controls and, and technological defenses faster than kind of the good guys or the security firms are able to um, protect against those attacks. So that's why cyber is definitely a very interesting space because we're seeing these attacks change every six to 12 months where hackers are finding new ways to either steal funds or illegally acquire funds or steal data from from companies. Yeah, I I think recently you guys put out a, a release that was really helpful about double extortion ransomware, which right. I think a year ago, no, it wasn't really a thing, right? And now all of a sudden it's becoming more and more common. Right. I mean, hackers are, are basically hitting a business with ransomware. They're extracting all their sensitive data, and then they're threatening to release that data to the public as incentive for these businesses to pay these really high extortion demands. So the Maze Group, who I mentioned, their average yep. extortion demand is upwards of 400K. Double extortion attacks are their signature attack. That's their bread and butter. And so for companies like healthcare or attorneys that have a large privacy exposure, as well as utilize computer systems, they're going to be prime targets for those double extortion attacks. So I'm sure people are listening and they're saying, man, what could I do? You know, I mean, this sounds horrible. Like how, how can I make sure that my company doesn't get hacked or how can I make sure that my employee doesn't make a mistake and click on the wrong link? Or right. what, what type of system can I put in place to, you know, kind of beef up my cybersecurity so that I don't have a loss? Right. Are there any tips, Bo, that you can give uh, maybe some best practices that can implement to reduce their cyber risk? A hundred percent. So I think employee awareness and training is, is going to be a, a massive factor here. Um, as I reiterate again, human error is the number one cause of our claims. And Looking at the attacks over the last few years, I'd say 90% of them have um, were, were due to human error. Where, human error, wow. I mean, hackers are, are targeting people, their roles and the data that they have access to and the likelihood of someone clicking here. So investing in a phishing simulation so you could see what employees are more prone to clicking on links or employee awareness, e-learning videos or anything to help keep your employees up to speed on, on the current trends is gonna be important. Now, there are some other great security controls that we have noticed that have stopped a lot of claims. And the first one I'd like to mention is multi-factor authentication. Now, for wire transfer fraud claims or social engineering, hackers essentially gain access to an employee's email account by um, essentially stealing their login credentials. Right. And so, Without multi-factor authentication, it allows a hacker to access your email account or your systems remotely, and they can have a field day. And so multi-factor authentication is a free service, whether you have Google Suite or Microsoft 365. We have instructional PDFs on how to set it up. Um, But essentially, if someone is trying to access your account or your 
systems from an unknown computer, it's you're going to have to basically verify that it's you either through an application or a text message. So it's not that um, tedious, but it does stop a ton of the claims. Yeah. Now and it's gotten easier and easier to use. I think. I mean, oh, we've implemented 100%. it on every. I have it on everything. I don't care what it is. Right. On all my right. social media accounts, on all my bank accounts, on all my my LastPass accounts, everything, my payroll accounts. Right. Now, I'm glad you, you just brought up LastPass. That's kind of our, our next um, feature that we always recommend is utilizing a password manager. Um, I think so many people out there are guilty of using the same generic password or version of a password for multiple of their online services. And hackers are targeting a lot of those third parties that you utilize those online services for. So if they steal your password off one platform, they can gain access to some of your other things. So utilizing a password manager is gonna be very important. Now to secure your devices, uh, we recommend making sure that you update your software as soon as those patches or those updates become available. Hackers are consistently looking to um, basically find loopholes or vulnerabilities in older versions of software. So by updating that frequently will prevent that. Uh, we always love recommending uh, an endpoint detection. Uh, so something that's actually monitoring a lot of the, the traffic coming in and out. Um, email filtering is great, as well as DNS filtering. Uh, DNS filtering will also kind of be a safety net. If someone accidentally clicks on a link, it will give you a, almost a second chance to, to say like, are you sure you want to proceed? This looks like it um, might not be a, a, a reputable source. Now, another thing, is having good backup procedures and protocols. Now, in a lot of those ransomware claims, when they get severe is when your backups are fully corrupted. And so yeah. if you have online backups or cloud backups, just know that they still can get corrupted, but having multiple backups in segregated environments, uh, so essentially having a higher redundancy for your backups is gonna be crucial. Um, now, we also recommend having an offline backup, too, that is not connected to the Internet. So if your local backups or your cloud backups do get infected, you might still have your data intact in this offline backup. Now, while a lot of these technological defenses are great to help stopping claims, it's important to note as well that technology is never going to be 100% effective. Um, and so that's where having a cyber policy will really be that last line of defense and will, will help protect the business if they still get um, hit, even though they invest in the state-of-the-art security. Yeah, and I mentioned it before, but those in the business uh, that are listening in and have not worked with Bo or Evolve MGA, here's his information, Bo Bekele at EvolveMGA.com. I highly recommend you reach out. They are a true partner, as he's mentioned in cyber, cyber coverage, cyber protection, but also cyber education. These guys do a great job educating their clients, educating their agencies, educating their partners on how to stay protected. Bo mentioned some of these before. Uh, he mentioned 2FA. Uh, he mentioned, uh, you know, email filtering. Uh, I love the phishing um, scenarios that you talked about. How to, what'd you call it? The like, phishing simulations. The simulations. And that's something yeah. that Bo said earlier in the conversation that as part of your value-added services, there's six of them, uh, right. phishing simulations are something that you provide policyholders. Correct. So, so yeah. they can train their staff. But uh, 
But what would you say, what would you say is the number one cyber threat to businesses today? Right now? So, I mean, it's your employees. I mean, you can't monitor what everyone is clicking on throughout the day to day, uh, especially if they're working remotely from home, they're checking their own personal emails. You really can't see or have that visibility. And that's what hackers are, are really trying to take advantage of. Now, I think right now, ransomware is really creating the most noise as we've discussed. And a lot of businesses are gonna think that this is never gonna happen to me. Yeah. But what businesses don't realize is how much they rely on their computer systems to effectively run their day-to-day -day operations. Whether you're a healthcare entity, or a wholesaler or distributor or manufacturer, every single business is gonna be utilizing computers. And if that business is hit with a ransomware attack, you are not gonna be able to operate. You might miss out on client contracts or deadlines, which might result in a loss of clients. Um, you're gonna be losing yep. profits. There's just so many costs associated with these claims. It's amazing. And it, it, it's so different. And so a business, I mean, you always need to, consider the worst case scenario where all of your data is locked up. You get hit with a very high extortion demand. There could be a privacy breach. You might have to recreate data. Um, and so yep. ransomware is, is definitely becoming one of the largest threats um, to businesses today. Yeah. I mean, the costs are unreal. Like if you look at, first of all, I didn't want to talk too much about actual policy because, you know, people, insurance bores people. But yeah. But the cyber, but the evolved policy is so comprehensive that it has, you know, not only third party coverage, but also a good amount of first party coverage. And when you start looking at the costs, first party costs, if, if you have your clients, if your clients get their data stolen and it's stolen from your service, your systems, just the amount of money you have to spend on credit monitoring, on alerting them, on notifications, it's unbelievable. Business the interruption. The, the attorneys. Yeah. yeah it's reputational it's, harm. It's reputation. And, and that's where it's like, I mean, we've seen full limit losses. Um, we've seen a lot of claims upwards of $250,000. If we're notified quickly, we can get, I mean, we can resolve claims in $50,000. So, it, I mean, it all depends. But when looking at the cost of these policies, I mean, even though the cyber market's hardening and rates are going up, for a small business, I mean, our average premiums are anywhere from two to five thousand dollars. So exactly. it, it's it's really yeah. not that much upfront costs. And when you take into consideration the the broadness of the coverage, the free yeah. risk management services, and the expert claims team to really hold your hand to resolve these these issues as quickly as possible, it should be a no brainer. I think so, man. I mean, I tell people all the time it's. To me, it's the most val the the best value in an insurance policy you can buy. I mean, it's you know, if you start looking at EPLI and do you know where you see retentions at twenty five fifty? I saw a retention the other day at, at two hundred fifty thousand. I mean, right. right, we're still not at the place where we're dealing with self insured retentions. We're still at the place where you you have strong limits across the board. You know, we're still at a place where you can buy a policy, and it's very cost effective. I mean, it's. It's right. almost and it's almost like a, a, a lapse not to have it. I mean, really, no. it is. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, cyber it's been taking the same trends as EPLI, um, and who knows where our rates are going to be at um, in the next three to five years if the claims continue uh, to rise at this unprecedented rate that they have yeah, over man, the that's last crazy. year. So.
it's insane. And uh, yeah, man. So Bo, you're awesome, man. This was uh, <laughs> this was a good time. This is you gave us a lot, a lot of good information. I've got to tell people, uh, and Bo said this, and I'll say it again, and I said it before. Education is key. Understanding what the risks are, where they lie, how they infiltrate your company, what your employees are doing, because we all know we can't micromanage our employees all day long, especially when they're working from home. They might be outside of your VPN. Who knows? You know, they're on their own device, like Bo said, where they're clicking. You know, people get people get busy during the day. They're doing five things at once. Right. You know, they get that link. They don't know what it was or they get that request to wire money and they don't really pay attention to where it's coming from or that the email address isn't the person that says it is. But, you know, you got to have a good partner in cyber and uh, cyber insurance now. I mean, it's always been important, in my opinion something that we've always educated and, and advised our clients about. But if you're in the business of insurance or if you're, if you're watching today, you're a client of our agency, let us give you a quote from an Evolve MGA policy. Take a look at what it is. They have really good information where they break down every insuring clause in layman's terms. You know, it's not all this, uh, you don't have to read a policy that has a bunch of <laughs> legal jargon. Right. I mean, they tell you, Evolve does a great job of telling you exactly how it's going to help you. And uh, we're more than happy to give you guys, give you a quote, protect your business. Bo, is there anything that you'd like to say before we part ways? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, our whole goal is to help educate and simplify cyber. Um, like Mike said, we're, we're here to help make it easy. Um, we try to streamline the entire quote to buying process. So typically for companies under a hundred million revenue, we can provide indications just off business name, revenue and website. We can provide a free dark web scan of your um, domain to see if any of your employees information is currently on the dark web as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike, thank you so much for thinking of us and having me on the podcast today. This has been an awesome uh, half hour. So really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Bo, thanks, man. I, and I, I know that we were speaking recently and I know that your activity has picked up majorly. Uh, and uh, thank you for taking 40 minutes of your day to, to talk to us. And again, it's my if, pleasure. If you're a customer, if you own a business, you can reach out to me. I can help you. If you're an agency or a broker, uh, a colleague in the industry, reach out to both. I mean, these guys do a great job. Uh, they have a really good website. They're constantly updating information. Um, when there's uh, certain hacks or trends happening, they'll let you know what to look out for. So education is key, and that's what they do. Bo, we'll see you soon, man. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Take care.